All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is John Frady. I'm pastor of spiritual development at Celebration Church, and we're really glad to have you for today's Saturday seminar. Uh, today it's on transforming your physical health. Uh, we are blessed to be joined by J.C. Lutz, uh, who is a registered dietitian nutritionist. Uh, welcome, J.C. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hi, thank you. Thank you. Um, so I'm so excited to be asked to do this and to talk about this topic. Um, so I work at Children's Hospital in New Orleans. I work with uh, kids from infancy to 21 years old. But the main population of who I work with is adolescents and young adults who are struggling with body image or have um, eating disorders, whether that be anorexia or bulimia. So the lens through which I have started to practice nutrition is um, a little bit different. And I hope this message today can inspire some of you guys. Um, and so I want you guys to know that this is going to be a message that is rooted in faith, that is based in faith. And so in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20, um, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price and therefore honor God with your body. So we're going to talk today about how to honor God with our body in a way that is not shameful and um, that can help you transform your physical health. So I want to kind of just go through the outline of how this is going to go. Um, we're going to define health first. Um, we're going to talk about the weight loss industry and dieting. We're going to talk a little bit about nutrition supplements. Um, and then we're going to get into some of the principles of a self-care eating framework called um, intuitive eating. So I practice from an intuitive eating framework. It is a created by, it's a method of eating. It was created by two dietitians. Um, it's been out since 1995 and there's been over a hundred research studies published on this method of eating. Um, so I'm really excited to share you guys. This isn't all of the principles, but some of the principles that I thought were relevant and just for time's sake, I couldn't include them all. So we'll go through honoring your hunger and fullness, coping with your emotions with kindness, honoring your health with gentle nutrition. And then we'll talk about movement and realistic goal setting, okay? Oh. Okay, so the definition of health as defined by the World Health Organization, it is a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being and not merely just the absence of disease or infirmity. Um, I think these two, this definition in particular is really important to remember because a lot of times when we think about being healthy and people talk about people that are healthy, we are just thinking about people who maybe aren't sick, um, who are maybe thin, who exercise a lot. We a lot of times put an image to what healthy means and what that looks like. Um, so just always remember that you can't necessarily be fully healthy if you're not mentally healthy if you're not um, socially well. So really important to keep in mind as we go through this, what these definitions are. So healthy eating um, is defined as eating a healthy balance of foods and having a healthy relationship with food. Um, so it is not just eating healthy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, being really strict about not eating junk. That is not what healthy eating is. Just remember that it's a balance and it also includes 
your relationship with food. Um, and I love this verse from 3 John. It says, I pray that all is well with you and that your body is as healthy as I know your soul is. Um, that it is important for us to be physically and mentally well. Okay, so the weight loss industry. Um, I love talking about this. So I think most important here to know is that the industry of weight loss is kind of came about in the 1980s. It was a newer thing. And um, in 2019, it was worth $72 billion. And this is just the industry of like supplements and weight loss products, things that are designed to help people lose weight and do so very quickly. Um, and in 2014, this industry is worth $64 billion. So you can see that just in those five years, it increased significantly. Um, and to kind of put things in perspective for you, in 1990, adults with obesity made up less than 15% of the population. And in 2019, 40% of the adult population was obese. So what I want you to kind of take home here and just kind of think about is as this industry gets to be worth more, our people are not getting smaller. So I kind of think about this idea, um, I buy products on Amazon or I buy light bulbs or a phone and this idea of planned obsolescence where your products are designed to break. They're designed to not work for a long time because it helps the consumer keep having to buy them. If our light bulbs, we bought one and they worked forever, we wouldn't have to keep buying more. Um, and I kind of think about this with the weight loss industry, that if this was designed to work so well, um, why does it keep growing? If it worked, why do we keep spending more and more and more and coming out with all these new diets and programs and supplements if, if this was helpful? Okay, so I just wanted to show you guys a lot of the diet trends that I get asked about on a regular basis. Um, this isn't all of them, but I included kind of the top eight that I get questions about always about should I detox, whether that be with like a sugar detox or a tea detox. Um, should I try gluten-free? Should I try dairy-free or keto, um, juice cleansing, paleo? These are all just different ones that I, I, I commonly get asked about. Um, and I think it's really important to, to look at these and see that a lot of this is, is trendy. Diets kind of come and go like fashion. There are seasons where certain diets are more popular than others. Um, everything usually comes out and they show you all of these different before and after pictures. And you might know someone and say, oh, I know someone who lost you know X amount of weight doing keto. And we kind of get hooked on these ideas of what's a quick fix and what's gonna work and what's gonna solve this problem right away. Um, and so as Christians, I kind of want us to realize that these are worldly, very worldly messages. These are messages that the world has kind of created to help us buy their product. This is a consumer message and that the Lord has created our bodies to be able to kind of regulate and know what to do on its own, that the message doesn't have to be as complex as the world is making it seem. So. I wanted to talk a little bit about um, symptoms of diet backlash. And when I say diet, I mean 
when you either are going on like a restrictive diet, like one of the ones that I showed, or some people will innocently go on kind of this healthy eating journey and they are not fueling themselves well. You know, they don't know what to do. They just know that they really want to lose weight and they want to get healthier. And so they don't eat as, as much as they should. So the first thing is losing trust in yourself when the diet fails. So if you were taking a medication that had side effects of nausea and vomiting, and you started taking this medication and you got nauseous and you started vomiting, you would blame the medication, right? You would blame that medicine because this is a side effect of what this medicine does. So when we go on a diet, and the diet doesn't work because it's too restrictive. It eliminates a lot of different food groups. We're starving all the time. Um, the diet industry has given us these messages that instead of blaming the diet when it fails, we blame us and we lose trust in us and our ability to be around food. I'll hear people say, you know, in the grocery store, don't buy that ice cream because I, I can't trust myself. If you put that in the fridge, I'm, I'm going to eat it all. I don't even want it in the house. I, I can't, they feel like they can't even be trusted around food. Um, and this kind of goes into the second point is where we start to associate our morality and values with the choices in food that we make. Um, people who struggle with you know, binge eating at night where people are like, oh, you know, I did well all day and then I binge ate at night. I, I'm not disciplined. I, I just am out of control. I, I must not care about my health. And we start to really shame ourselves into thinking that we are the problem and not the product that's being sold to us. Um, next point is the last supper. Uh, how, I mean, you can put in the chat, how many of you guys are know someone or yourself have decided like on Monday, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start on Monday. I'm gonna start eating really healthy. And so on Sunday night, you eat a feast of food. You're like, I'm gonna eat all of this because starting tomorrow, I can't have any of this. And you eat a ton. You probably eat more than you would have eaten for dinner like three nights in that week because you are just trying to take all of this in because you know you're gonna be deprived and you're not gonna be able to have it anymore. Um, we'll notice that people have last suppers very frequently because they keep failing in their diet or their diet keeps failing them. And so they're like, all right, we're gonna try again. And you're having these last suppers very often because you keep trying again to eat healthy the next day. Um, but the most important diet backlash symptom that I think the industry, of course, is not forthcoming about is this sluggish metabolism. Our bodies um, are so beautifully designed in the way that they are able to adapt. So when you are restricting your intake or on a diet or not eating enough, um, your body will kind of start to shut down and slow down. I, I tell it to my patients, like your, your body's going to low power mode, like, like an iPhone. It'll kind of start to slow down the metabolism so that it can more efficiently use the calories that you're giving it because you're not giving it enough. So while this is happening, you may be seeing that you're losing weight, um, but the metabolism is, is slowing down. Um, one of my favorite studies that was done on this I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen the show, The Biggest Loser. Uh, I used to love this show. They would take these contestants and they would 
um, put them through this really rigorous training and they would eat really, really healthy. And it would be like with sometimes they would be like father and son and they would go through the season of the show and they would lose, you would see they would lose like 20, 30 pounds in a week. And you're like, wow, like this is amazing. You know, if everybody could be this disciplined, um, we wouldn't have this obesity problem in the world. Well, there was a researcher who was watching the show and was like, I'm going to do a study because I want to figure out why this worked for them. And I'm going to package it and I'm going to sell it. I'm going to figure out what the secret is to weight loss. And so what they found in this study, they were actually very shocked that they, out of 13 of the 14 contestants, um, on average, they gained 66% of the body weight back within a few years. Four of these contestants gained more weight back than they were originally when they started the show. The other big finding that they found, because when you start the show, they measure your baseline muscle mass. And then at the end of the show, they measured, or during the study, after they were regaining weight, they measured their baseline muscle mass. They found that they were on average had 10 pounds less of muscle tissue. So this showed them that while they were dieting, um, not only were they losing weight, but their bodies were in such shock, struggling to try to survive and the sluggish metabolism was going on that it started to eat away muscle tissue. It was losing fat and also muscle tissue. Um, so this is something that I really think is gonna be a big, I hope is a big take home for you guys that um, this is really a shock to our metabolism and you know, restricting and not eating on a regular basis. Two other things is some people will use caffeine to try to make it through. I'll see people who will drink a Diet Coke or drink a coffee when they're hungry to try to um, kind of hush those hunger cues. And then I loved this verse from 1 Corinthians that says, you say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. Sometimes when we um, diet, we become so obsessed with the diet, what it's gonna do for our bodies that we will socially withdraw. I've seen, I've been in a life group before where someone was, we brought like a king cake or some kind of sweet and one of the members had gone on a diet and she couldn't eat it. And I just kept looking where she was staring at that item, but she's like, I can't eat it, I can't eat it. And she was ended up being a little socially withdrawn from our life group that day because she just was kind of staring and looking at this item that she couldn't have. And so with all these symptoms of diet backlash and things that happen, can we see how the definition of health and the definition of healthy eating does not match up with what the diet industry gives us? Okay, so um, this is one of my favorite exercises to do with patients. I will have them go in the store and try to find products that are trying to give them a certain message about thinness and what the consumer, what they're trying to sell to the consumer. So if you can just see a few of these, skinny cows, skinny pops, skinny tea, skinny greens, slim fast, thin slim foods, um, Oreos have now gotten thin. And, um, think we are trying to market to people. And I'm not saying that these products are bad. I am not at all. I like some of these products. I eat some of them. Well, what I'm trying to show you is that they're pushing a message on you that may not be necessarily healthy. Um, 
And if you like some of these products, that's totally fine. I just want to show you what the media is trying to say. Okay, nutrition supplements. This is um, a really hot topic question that I get all the time. Um, but disclaimer that you should always, always ask your doctor before you start any kind of supplement. Um, some supplements, even, you know, biotin or, you know, random good regular vitamins and minerals, they can interact with medications that we take. Um, they can cause heart abnormalities and other side effects. For example, the one, the fat burner one that I'm showing you in the picture, um, Products like these can, can tend to mess with your heart rate. Um, so I would definitely ask your doctor before you start any kind of nutrition supplement. And a lot of people don't know, but that supplements are not regulated by the, the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA. Other drugs that we take that we get from the pharmacy, the FDA regulates these medications. Supplements are not. So when you go to GNC, this is not regulated. Um, they kind of fall under an umbrella where they are just... They just, you have just have to trust that what they're putting on there is, is factual. There's no one checking to see if this is true or not. So some of these are kind of a take at your own risk kind of thing. Um, there's a lot of conflicting research on if they work, if they don't work. Um, and I think a lot of them don't have disclaimers that in high doses, some vitamins and minerals can be harmful to your health. Um, we have vitamins that you, if you have them in excess, vitamins and minerals that you will urinate out if you have too much. There are some that you can develop a toxicity if you take too much of. So do your research and ask your doctor before you take a supplement. And with permission from my brother, I wanted to kind of tell this funny story. My brother, Joel, he started a new job and wanted to, you know, boost his immune health. And so he started taking a zinc supplement. It's actually the exact one that's in that picture. And he did not, didn't tell me. He texted me one day. He's like, I'm leaving work. I'm, I'm throwing up. My stomach is killing me. I'm having all kinds of issues. I'm sweating. My head hurts. I, I feel awful. And um, he's like, and this is so crazy because I, I just started taking zinc because I didn't want to get sick um, and, and have to leave work. And I was like, well, how long have you been taking it? And he said a few weeks. And I was like, I looked at the bottle when I got home and I was like, you have zinc toxicity. You're vomiting because you've been taking too much zinc. And he was like, okay, great. So sometimes the way that we'll try to help our health is actually kind of harmful. Um, and in his case, I was trying to remind him like, you could have asked me, um, but he definitely learned that lesson the hard way for sure. But ask your doctor, um, talk to your dietitian if you have one. Usually when we're prescribing or you know recommending a supplement, it's because we have a lab value. So like vitamin D, if it's low, we'll recommend a certain dose of a supplement. If the zinc is low, we'll recommend dose, but people in the United States tend to not be deficient in, in zinc and a lot of other vitamins and minerals. Okay, so now we're gonna get into some of the principles of intuitive eating. And this is the first one. And I've been saving this meme for a long time. <laughs> I found it on Facebook. And this is probably one of my favorite ones. So in the beginning, she's like, okay, I'm going to be healthy today. And for breakfast, she has fruit. For lunch, she has a sandwich. And for dinner, she has a salad. And then her midnight snack is large pizza, mac and cheese, and a bucket of ice cream. 
And I don't know how many of you guys can relate to this, um, but as many shares as it had on Facebook, I would assume that a lot of people can relate. Now, it's really, really important um, when we get hungry to recognize that this is a good thing. It's not your body acting against you saying that you, oh, like, why, why? I just, my body just wants me to keep gaining weight. I don't have time to eat right now. I'm trying to be healthy. Um, but hunger is a natural biological cue. And it's a sign that your brain is working and that you need energy. Our hunger cues and our fullness cues are located in our hypothalamus. And it's a good thing if you're feeling hungry, things are working. Loss of appetite is a symptom of a lot of other illnesses. So if you're feeling hungry, yay, this is good. Things are working. So you wanna listen to your hunger cues. You wanna keep your body fed so that you don't overeat later. If you do not honor your hunger, and we, I see this all the time, like this person, fruit is not an adequate breakfast. Um, a salad is not an adequate dinner. And if we don't honor our hunger or feed ourselves to satiate ourselves, we can trigger a primal drive to overeat, okay? So you are not, not disciplined because you ate that large piece of mac and cheese and bucket of ice cream. Um, that is actually a biological response to you not feeding yourself well all day. That is your brain kicking on and it keeps giving you, it's like knocking at the door, hey, I'm hungry and you give it fruit. Hey, I'm hungry and you're just giving it a sandwich and you're not actually feeling this. So your brain turns on and it's like pushing these hunger cues harder and harder because it's like, please fuel me adequately. And it gives you this ravenous hunger that when you start eating, you're not even tasting the food. You're just so hungry. You're just shoveling stuff in your mouth. You, you, I'm, I'm sure, I don't know if it's just me. You have experienced this before. And then afterwards you feel kind of shameful. You're like, I did so good all day and I just messed up. And then tomorrow I'm gonna start again. I'm gonna try again. Um, so this can lead to really a cycles of restriction and then you starving and then you overeat and the cycle just keeps going on and on and on. And if you're honoring your hunger throughout the day, your likelihood of overeating or binging at night is, is significantly um, decreased. So this brings us to the next, this is another principle of intuitive eating, which is feeling your fullness. Um, a lot of us eat past the point of being full. There are studies that have shown that people who, you know, didn't even necessarily change their diet, but just stopped eating when they were full, that they had better health outcomes. Um, it doesn't have to be that complicated. When, and it's, I know it's hard when you're eating something that's really good, but try to listen to your body signals that tell you that you're not hungry anymore. Um, while you're eating, maybe kind of slow down and check in with yourself and say, okay, am I still hungry? Am I enjoying this? Do I want a little bit more because I'm enjoying this? Or do I want a little bit more because I'm still hungry? Um, I know that it's okay to be comfortably full. A lot of us were raised in homes where we were told that we had to clean our plate. Um, but you don't have to clean your plate. If you eat half of your plate and you're full, you can save the rest for later. You don't have to clean it. If you eat all of your plate and you're still hungry, honor your hunger, finish eating. But we kind of need to slow down. Um, that kind of thing, we definitely need to slow down. There's been a lot of studies on the French population. Their diets are full of like heavy creams and simple sugars um, and, and high, high, high fats and cheeses and 
French people are a lot healthier than American people. They have a lower risk of cardiovascular disease. And so with studying this, they were like, well, they're eating all the things that people say that you're not supposed to eat, but they are much healthier. Um, one, of, one of many reasons being that on average, it takes a French person about 22 minutes to eat a dinner, whereas the American person takes about 10 minutes or less. Um, we're not checking in with ourselves we're not being very self-aware while we're eating we're not tasting or enjoying the food could be because we're having this primal drive to overeat or because we're busy and we're just not able to be mindful and aware um, but this is one that I think I've heard a lot of, of people struggling with and I want to encourage you to start practicing this with your next meal check in with yourself am I hungry is it making me comfortably full am I ready to stop Okay, coping with your emotions with kindness. This is another principle of intuitive eating and probably my favorite one. Um, I love this meme, stressed is dessert spelled backwards. A lot of people tell me that they struggle with emotional eating. And this is really, really common, but I want you guys to know that sometimes whenever we don't honor our hunger and we have that overeating response later in the night that some people perceive that to be emotional eating and it's, it's really not, it's just your body working. Um, now there are other times where, you know, I just recently had a loss in my family and what is the thing that people do when there's a, a death or a loss? I mean, people brought over food and, and on one part they're trying to help us and so we don't have to cook. And on another part we're in the South and they're bringing a lot of comfort food um, to help. And it's, it's, really, um, it's really great, but also you know, can be harmful if we are comforting ourselves with food for a really long time. So I wanna encourage you um, this is one of the harder ones that if you're struggling with emotionally eating, that you remember that food is just a temporary source of comfort. It can also lead, you know, if you're eating emotionally a lot, it can lead to shame later on. Um, and that we need to go as Christians to the source, to the person who comforts us, um, to to the Lord. And in, that's why I added this verse from Corinthians, you know, he comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others when they're troubled, we'd be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. Um, so it's really important to go to the source of the emotion. I encourage you, if you would need to go to therapy uh, to work on these things or find other healthy coping mechanisms. Some people do um, adult coloring books or they will start painting or doing other things instead of going to food. Okay, so now I'm gonna go into some nutrition topics, but the big take home that I want you guys to have is this nutrition, we wanna come at it from a gentle mindset. We don't want to be overly critical about what we're eating. Um, healthy eating really doesn't have to be that complex. I think the diet industry has made us seem like it has to be this grandeur, complex situation. And while nutrition science is com is complex and it's widely researched, it doesn't have to be that hard. You know, moderation, balance, these are very common terms that you hear all the time, but it's because it works. And another important thing is that your food should taste good. Healthy food can taste good. We live in New Orleans. We know how to season things. I, I am not a firm believer that you have to eat vegetables that don't taste good. I think that you should a way that you can honor your health with nutrition is to 
eat food that's good, um, healthy food that you like, that you enjoy, and that doesn't feel like you're eating cardboard because I don't see how anyone would want to stick to that. So I'm going to go into just some food groups and give some tips on what I do or what I've seen other patients do that's helped them integrate some of these things. So grains, um, a lot of people are afraid of carbohydrates and grains, but these, this is our primary source of fuel that our brain runs on. Um, this is really, really, really important for us to eat. I wanted to touch on fiber. Um, if you've never heard of it, it is, it's an indigestible substance that's found in um, a lot of different plant foods and it's found in grains. It's also found in fruits, vegetables, and other things. But diets that are high in fiber are associated with lower blood sugar, lower cholesterol, reduced risk of cancer, and cardiovascular disease. Um, and it's recommended that half of the grains that you eat, that you try to make them whole grains. So I put two things here that I, I like that um, I've found to be helpful to help me include whole grains into my diet um, with oatmeal and just putting uh, using this Dave's bread. It's got a lot of whole grains and seeds. It's high in fiber. Um, using that to make a sandwich. Uh, try not to fear. This is higher calorie. Um, and you'll notice that it is, but it contains nutrients. It's hard to get a lot of fiber and vitamins and minerals from the Sara Lee 45 calorie bread. Not saying that this is a bad item to eat, but if you're trying to feel full and you're trying to get fiber and you're trying to, to make sure that you're satiated until that next meal or snack, that sometimes having a more nutrient dense option is a better choice. Okay, protein. So um, a lot of us don't have trouble eating protein. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have a bad rap like carbs or fat do. Um, but the main thing I wanna take you to take home with protein is try to eat a variety. Um, I will plan out, I don't meal prep, but what I'll do is I'll plan out what kind of proteins and meats I'm having for the week and I'll get some of them from the store and I try to make it diverse and do like beans and fish, um, chicken, turkey, and a, a helpful kind of thing that someone told me a while ago was the more legs that the animal has, the higher fat and I guess, you know, more unhealthy the meat is. So with our cow and pig, those are our four-legged meats that we usually eat and they tend to be on the less healthy side. Those are the meats you wanna to try to eat, you know, maybe once, twice a week. Um, our two-legged animals, so like our chicken and our turkey, those are gonna be the ones that you wanna to try to eat more. They tend to be leaner. And then anything that swims, so even though shrimp and crawfish have tons of legs, we just, anything that swims, is typically gonna be some of your best protein sources. And I think we have a really unique opportunity to include more seafood in our diet living in New Orleans. So try to eat more fish, um, try to include some type of fish or seafood into your diet once or twice a week if you can. There's tons of research on the benefits of it and you know, in, from improved mood to lower risk of chronic disease, but that would be one of my top protein tips. Okay, fruits and vegetables. This is one that I usually never have to <laughs> argue with anyone on, um, except people that sometimes people tend to be scared of fruits because of the sugar. Um, but studies have shown time and time again that people who eat higher amounts of fruits and vegetables have lower risk of chronic diseases, including um, cancer. Now, this is a, a good example. Um, so fruits have tons of antioxidants and phytochemicals and fiber. Phytochemicals are still being widely researched. We still don't even know all of the benefits of phytochemicals. Uh, we do know that fruit in general has been shown to really help our health, but 
I don't want you to miss out on getting all the benefits of fruit from being afraid to have those natural sugars. This is a good, good example of how nutrition science is still ever evolving and we still don't know everything that we need to know about it. So keep eating your fruits. I personally find it helpful and I've found it helpful with patients to use fruit as a snack, um, but not doing it alone. So when we pair a fruit with a protein or a fat, it helps keep us more satiated. The more nutrients you have going in your body, so like a protein with a fat, with a carb, it kind of clicks to our brain that we're satiated. When we just eat a fruit for a meal, it's not enough for our brain. So for a snack, like I will do sometimes apples with peanut butter, cucumber, hummus, banana, Nutella, and I'll pair these things together and it'll help keep me a little bit fuller for longer. Um, so I think this is a good thing to do. You don't have to, you know, put tons, you can kind of do this in your own way, especially if you're more of a picky eater when it comes to fruits and vegetables. I encourage you to add things on it, dip things in it to help you acquire a better taste to it. Okay, fats. So fat is a macronutrient um, that we absolutely have to have. Our brain is actually composed of fats. We use carbs for energy, but our brain tissue is made up of fat. Um, and we use, um, and function, our brain functions best with omega-3 fats. Um, so you also are found in seafood, another good reason to try to get integrate seafood into your diet. But one of the main things I wanted to touch on with fat, um, I've read a lot of stuff about how in the 80s and 90s, this low fat trend came about that I think is kind of stuck and that everybody, there's tons of low fat products, low fat this, low fat that, but um, we have four vitamins, vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E, and vitamin K that are specifically fat soluble vitamins. These vitamins bind to a fat molecule in order to be absorbed in our body. Other vitamins are water soluble and they can be just absorbed when you're drinking it with water, but these vitamins in particular have to be absorbed with fat. So they found that with the low fat trend that people were becoming deficient in these vitamins. This is your, K is your coagulation. People were bruising easily, easier. Um, their skin, um, this is your skin, your hair, your blood clotting. These vitamins do a lot in our body. So you don't want to not eat any fat, olive oil, avocados, um, canola oil. These are good sources of fat that you can include in your diet. Okay, dairy. This is one that's kind of a hot topic. A lot of people try to stay away from dairy. Um, there's been research that shows this causes inflammation. There's been research that shows that that's not true. So there's a lot of conflicting evidence, but the main reason why you need it is because it's an excellent source of calcium. So if you, and 90% of Americans, as I put on here, don't consume enough dairy. Um, we don't have good bone health here in America, especially for women who are postmenopausal or they have lower levels of estrogen that helps calcium and vitamin D absorb in our body. So women, women that are postmenopausal tend to struggle with keeping these deficient and it can lead to poor bone health, osteoporosis. So if you are able to tolerate dairy, I encourage you to try to do milk, to try to do cheese or yogurt. There are, are alternatives. Um, that you can do almond milk, um, soybeans, soy yogurt, that can give you some of these same benefits. Um, but the main take home for dairy is that you really need the calcium that comes from it. Okay, movement. This is um, an excellent uh, topic. I love this topic. I'm not an expert in movement. I'm an 
I guess, kind of an expert in nutrition, not movement, but I find that if you move in a way that feels good to you, um, you're more likely to keep moving. A lot of people try to go on a healthy journey and they are wobbling into my office because they are like, I'm so sore, I can barely move. And they try to do too much too soon. You need to honor your body with movement. We can celebrate the fact that we have able bodies, that we're able to move. And I encourage you to do it, but try to do it from a place that is healthy. That's a celebration of what you can do. That is honoring God with your body, that you're going to use it. You're going to walk. Um, there are tons of benefits of movement, including, you know, mental health, mood, cardiovascular health, and, um, and just even being stronger in general. But what I want everyone to remember is that movement is not a penance or a punishment for what you ate. I hear all the time, I ate this piece of king cake, now I need to go on a run. Movement is not a punishment. And if we keep equating movement with a punishment, it's gonna be hard for us to enjoy moving and want to move. So we need to try to view it from a more gentle lens that isn't so shameful so that we can move every day. Um, I encourage you to try to move for at least, if you're starting out, 30 minutes. And this is gonna look different for everyone. For someone who hasn't moved in years, or, and I say movement as in opposed to exercise, so I don't mean like no movement at all. I just prefer to use the word movement. Um, who hasn't, who has not exercised or moved in years, this might look like you walking around the block one time um, and working your way up to one and a half, working your way up to two. For someone who is able to do that or used to be an athlete, it might look like doing a little something a little bit more intense for 15 minutes. I found volleyball. I love volleyball. This is something I really enjoy. I try to do this at least once a week and incorporate it in other ways, but I find that it's the most joyful movement and I really have fun and I can have fellowship with other people while I play. So try to find something that you like, that you enjoy and not punish yourself for moving. Okay, goal setting. Um, this is really important. So just like the Lord like always meets us where we are, we hear this in church all the time. You know, Jesus meets you where you are, wherever you are. I want you to try to meet yourself where you are. Um, a lot of people become very discouraged. They think they're too far away from being healthy. They think they're too far gone to try to make a change. You are not too far gone. You can start setting a really small goal. So we call them SMART goals, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-bound. So instead of saying, you know, by next, by next year, I want to be able to do that rock and roll at 5k. Um, you would want to say tomorrow at three o'clock, I'm going to run for 15 minutes. You know, you want to try to make it very, very, very realistic and achievable for you and make it specific so that you can really make sure that it happens. Um, for food, for someone who maybe you drink, um, 10 sprites and 10 Cokes a week. I don't know, I'm just throwing it out there. Your goal might be to drink five. Uh, and this sounds kind of silly, but we're just starting small and just meeting yourself where you are so that you can, you can check off and you can achieve these goals and so that you feel good about yourself and you're not feeling shameful so that you can go and keep going and improving. Um, and how do we know we're getting healthier? A lot of people measure this with, am I losing weight? And while for some people that is totally fine, there are people who really struggle with losing weight, whether that be they have thyroid issues or hormonal issues, or they have 
this sluggish metabolism from weight cycling and dieting over and over. But we know that you can get healthier without necessarily shrinking yourself. So we would other ways that we could measure that we're getting healthier is by our mood improving. Um, we're getting better quality sleep at night. Our lab values at the doctor may improve, may be improving. We are probably have less cravings. We have more energy. We can move more. So these are other things that you should be looking for outside of just weight loss um, to show that you're getting healthier. Okay, so this is probably the biggest um, most important take home that I want you guys to have is that healthy is going to look and feel different on each of us. Healthy is not going to look the same on me versus you. And that is okay. We were created all very uniquely and that, you know, nutrition is not a one size fits all topic. Health is going to look different on each of us. And remember those definitions of health, the social, the mental, the physical, the healthy relationship with food and a balance of healthy eating, okay? We cannot look at someone and assume that they're healthy and, or unhealthy. And I see this a lot um, in the church community where not so much that we're judging others, but we're very, very mean and we bully ourselves for eating something or you know, the way that we look in our clothes or you know, joking about, oh, I need to go you know, work out after this, or I need to go do this. And we're very, very mean. Um, and remembering that you're, you are God's creation. You do not need to treat yourself with just really unkindness and being so rude to what God created and what he made you to be. And just like your spiritual journey, you know, you don't, you don't become a Christian and start preaching the next day, you know, tell Pastor Dennis, hey, you know what, I became a Christian yesterday. So it's actually going to be my time to preach. It's a journey. It's a walk. And it's going to take a while for us to get to where we want to be, to get to where we feel like we need to be. So you need to give yourself grace, give yourself time, set goals, small goals, and do not judge or be mean to yourself if you're not able to meet them right away. Um, so I love this verse from 1 Samuel, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by outward appearance or height for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Um, we can make ourselves healthier and we can transform our physical health in a way that honors God, but it doesn't have to conform to the worldly or consumer view of health. And it's okay if this looks different on each and every one of us. Um, so on the next slide, I have some resources if you guys wanted to learn more about intuitive eating. Um, and we can open up now if anyone has questions. Well, hi, JC. Uh, there hey. are some questions. Uh, okay. Great, great job, by the way. Thanks. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I, was, I was taking notes as we were going through and also looking at all these questions coming in. So awesome. here are... Uh, several questions. The first question says, what if you don't like fish? You know, is there okay. a substitution for that? That's, that's a good substitute for fish. Yeah. Um, you don't have to like fish. I mean, I like to note it, um, just because it's, it's easy for us to have in New Orleans, but if you don't like it, there are other healthy proteins and there are other ways to get some of the nutrients that are in fish. Um, you can even, this is a good example of a time where it might be 
good to take a supplement if you're not eating things that contain omega-3s. This could be some a time where you would meet criteria. That would be a good time to take a supplement. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a question that uh, is coming from, I know this lady, she's a mother. And so uh-huh. she says, how do you incorporate healthy foods when you're on a budget? You know, you're trying I to feed your family question. healthily. And I love, it. yes, I love this question. Okay, so um, I, I work at Children's and I work with tons of families who have this same question and same struggle. Uh, and I don't know what your view of buying frozen or buying canned is, but frozen vegetables are just as healthy and sometimes more because they're picked in season and frozen while they're in season. Um, and they're a lot more affordable than buying fresh. They last longer. They have a longer shelf life. Um, buying frozen fruits, buying canned fruits, canned vegetables. They have a really bad reputation, but they're really not bad for us. The salt in the canned fruits gives it a bad rap. I encourage you to drain and rinse. Um, but there are very affordable ways. And if afterwards, um, or at a different time, I can, I would be happy to help and, and chat with you more about it too. But I encourage you to buy canned, buy, uh, frozen. Um, I even sometimes look and see what coupons there are for fresh things, but it definitely is possible. And I'd love to help more, uh, later if, if you need it. That's great. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's great. Now here's, here's an interesting question. I, and I eat oatmeal every day. So I think about think about this and I was like huh Uh, the question is when you grind oatmeal into oat flour do you use do you lose the sorry do you lose the benefits of eating a whole grain I don't think so I don't think so but that is a question that I I've also never grinded oatmeal into oat flour yeah that would be something that I would have to look up um but I I don't think so um Okay. But I can get back to you on that. Okay. And what about, uh, here's, a, here's one that we actually talked about yesterday when we were talking about today's okay. seminar. What about intermittent fasting? Okay, uh, so is, is this fasting, like intermittent fasting is in the, the trend or the, like the, is this fasting for spiritual fasting? Uh, I, I think from what, I'm, what I see here, I think they're talking about like the, the, the the weight loss. The weight loss, are, intermittent yeah. fasting. Okay. Um, so this is one of those things where there's research that shows that it works. There's research that shows that it doesn't. Um, kind of with, with the method of intuitive eating and the take home that I want people to have is that when you're hungry, you should just listen to your natural biological cues that it's time to eat. I'm not necessarily against intuitive eating. I mean, against intermittent fasting, it does kind of go against um, listening to those natural cues. Now, if you just so happen to only be hungry between the hours of 12 and eight or whatever it may be, and that fits in uh, with the way that you are hungry, then then sure. But I think this framework is more about um, being more realistic and in, in letting yourself eat and be full when whenever you become hungry. Okay, that's that's a good that's a good answer. Uh, I know several people doing that. I've thought about it myself, but I'm, I've wondered about that as well. Here is a question that I've actually heard a lot, and I've wondered a lot myself. What should I look at, or what should I look for 
when I'm reading a nutrition label, like in the grocery store? Okay. So that's a great question. Um, I could probably do a whole talk on how to break down a food label. Um, well, this is a hard question. I guess it really depends on the product and what you're buying, depending on what it is. So if you're looking for a bread, um, I always look to see how much fiber is in it. I like to eat high fiber bread. So if it has four grams or more of fiber per slice, that's considered to be like an excellent source of fiber. Um, I, for, I don't really buy, for proteins, they're usually not, don't have a label. Um, for fresh fruits and vegetables, they usually don't have a label. I guess, and I also don't buy a lot of foods with labels, but a lot of what people will tell me that they are looking for in particular is um, how many added sugars they have or if they have artificial sweeteners, um, which that's another topic. But it really, I know this is probably the worst answer, but it really just depends on the product. Um, it's really product specific, yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, now this is now we, we talked before we were talking about eating, you know, certain amounts of protein and different things. So this question says, will a dose of 32 milligrams of protein in the morning last most of the day, or do you need chunks of protein throughout the day? I don't particularly know exactly what that dose of 32 milligrams would physically look like. Um, but typically you need more protein throughout the day. Um, and with the intuitive eating framework, you also, when you're listening to your hunger, you're not just eating whatever, you're kind of hungry and you're like, okay, so what is going to satiate me? Usually just eating 32 grams of protein and not having any more protein throughout the day that probably won't keep you full. Protein does an excellent job at keeping us full. So I would recommend including protein in each meal I also like to include a little bit of protein either through like hummus or peanut butter um, with snacks as well. But I, I don't think that 32 grams of protein is enough. I don't know how much you wet this person weighs, um, but usually for an adult male, you should have about 0 0.8 grams per kilogram of protein um, in your okay. diet every day. Yeah, no, this, uh, she, she replied back and said that she was talking about like, she meant 32 grams, not milligrams, but like, she meant like, uh, like a muscle milk or something. Oh, like okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, like, and just having that for the whole day, like, yeah, for, like that a, is the only amount protein. of protein for the day. Yes. I, for, I don't know. I don't think that that would be, um, sufficient. That would be enough. No, yeah. that's not, not sufficient. Okay, well, just, we're just going to do a couple more because we're we're going through time here. But there's one that's interesting, and I've wondered this myself. But when people think about somebody who, or themselves, and trying to to decide whether or not they're overweight, mm -hmm. how what qualifies someone as being classified as overweight? Okay, so the way that the doctors classify overweight is through. Um, it's through BMI. So a BMI of over 25 is considered to be overweight. A BMI over 30 is considered to be obese. Um, I, and I could do another presentation on this. The BMI system is extremely flawed. Um, I, I've seen patients, I mean, I have a BMI that's overweight. I've seen patients who look perfectly healthy and have a BMI that's overweight. The more muscle mass you have, 
Um, it, it doesn't include for muscle mass. It doesn't include for different body sizes and people of different um, ethnic groups who may be shaped bigger. Um, it doesn't include for that at all. Actually, when they were doing it, it only included like small white females when they were making the criteria for BMI. So I use it, it with a grain of salt. I like to use those other indicators. I don't necessarily, I don't want to say care, but when someone's overweight, I'm more looking at how do you feel? Mm. Um, are you sleeping well? How is your mood? Do you feel okay? Are you able to move? And we go from there and improve your health through those measures and not necessarily obsess or focus over getting your BMI to be in a categorical range that I feel to be flawed, so. Okay, okay. And one, one, more, one more thing, um, one more question. And this is something that we've, we've learned a lot here at Celebration Church and through different studies in actually in the financial world, but we've learned a lot about the importance of taking baby steps and yes. working from baby steps. And I appreciated your teaching that you included on, you know, if you're here, try to make, you know, incremental improvements as you go mm -hmm. through. Would you just, would you just speak for a moment on the importance of, of that and why it's important not to Try to go from jump ahead to a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a few reasons why it's really important to not go zero to hundred. And this kind of goes with, with, I did Dave Ramsey's thing. Um, and it really worked for me. He tells you to start with your, start with your smallest debt and pay off smallest to largest. Um, and why is that? And this is similar to with our fitness goals or our healthy eating goals. If you try to conquer that large one first, it doesn't give you confidence or momentum to keep going. Once you pay off that small one, you're like, all right, I just paid off my $600 credit card and you kind of on a roll and you're ready to go. And you need that confidence. You need to know like, look, I did it, even though if it's something really small and you use that confidence as momentum to keep you going. So if you just have this huge goal and you don't necessarily have framework of how you're gonna get there, um, and you're kind of just trying to jump to this large insurmountable or what feels like insurmountable goal, um, what's going to happen is it's going to seem very overwhelming and you're likely not going to reach it. It's going to create a, you feeling really shameful about yourself. And that's kind of what the diet industry does to us too, is that it makes us feel kind of shameful when something doesn't work. And when you set a goal for yourself, that's not really realistic and it, it doesn't have steps, baby steps to show you how you're going to get there you're probably not gonna be able to meet it and then you're gonna blame you. And that's not gonna give you the momentum to get where you need to go. So really, really important to write down your goal. And then I write under it steps, and this sounds really silly, but if my goal is I'm gonna, you know, include, I'm gonna ride my bike six times this week, I'm writing out scheduling and trying to figure out where, what block of time am I fitting that in? Just riding my bike six times a week, that sounds great. But when I'm working, when I have all these other responsibilities going on, I need to figure out where does that practically fit? So we need to get down to the detail of how to make it work so that we can be successful. Okay. Uh, thank you so much, JC, for a great seminar, for these great uh, answers to the questions. And what we're going to do is let people, um, they, can, they can look at the, certainly at the slide for the resources that you, that you shared. Uh, before we're going to, if they have further questions, they can send them to us at grow at celebrationchurch.org. It's called grow at celebrationchurch.org. And if you have questions for JC, we'll get those to JC and see if we can follow up with some of those because we have some others who are asking for some questions like that. JC, thank you so much.
Thank uh, you all for having me. Would you, uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting one more thing. Oh yeah, Blake is uh, sharing with everybody. If they have questions, they can send them to grow at celebrationchurch.org. Uh, before you go, uh, would you would you let me pray for you and for yeah. uh, your, your work at Children's Hospital? Such a great work there. Mm -hmm. let, all right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for JC and for this seminar and for uh, speaking through her to us and helping us all be healthier so we can use our bodies to serve you better. Uh, we love you, Lord. Thank you for these people who are joining us uh, in this seminar by Zoom and on YouTube, both now and in the future. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank y'all so much for having me. All right. Thank you, JC. We appreciate thank it. You. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Bye.